again, everybody. It's time for the Mainland Podcast, episode number 141. I am Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com. We cover Orlando City and the Orlando Pride. And when they triumphantly return, we will cover OCB again as well. Joining me, one of our senior columnists, David Rowe up in Tallahassee. How are you this week, Dave? A bit tired. Uh, Listeners might remember that I sell cars, and so end of the month, uh, especially with a holiday weekend, busy, busy time for moi. So uh, glad to be doing this instead of that. And did you sell a car? I sold a car or two. Okay, good. Well, that's That's, that's what you need to do. That's what actually gets me money, yes. TCB, taking care of business. (laughs) <laughs> always be closing baby yeah uh i am uh, a little under the weather uh i have uh, spent the holiday weekend uh when i wasn't doing blogging responsibilities i was uh <laughs> trying to get my home prepared for uh going on the market so much uh cleaning um and uh, going through books and boxes and bags of stuff that has accumulated over 12 years and uh that kicks up all kinds of dust and mold and cat hair and everything else. So I'm, I'm kind of uh, a little under the weather, but I'm going to tough this out. We're going to get through it. We're going to get through episode 141, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Orlando City. Absolutely. Although uh, I, I'm a little jealous um, as we we start to talk about them because in our predictions you were correct and I was not. Well, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. That's what I have to say about that. <laughs> it's, it had to happen at some point. Yeah, One of us had to be right. Law of averages is to just keep <laughs> guessing numbers. It's just like when I buy a Powerball ticket, Dave, and I get one number correct. It's like, okay. Right. Uh, I like to say, you know, I've had a couple of times where I've gotten like one number plus the Powerball number, and it's like, okay, cool, I won $4. And then I just, you know, I don't say it like that. I say I won the Powerball. I have a winning Powerball ticket. That's that's a good point. And I was uh, going by that logic. I was half <laughs> right this this past game. So uh, you know, I'll take it. Thank All you right. for making me feel better. All right. So as you alluded to, a two-two draw this weekend, Dave. It was a uh, a non-loss for the Orlando City uh, Soccer Club. Uh, the Lions go out and score first and last and make it a two-two game. In, um, you know, a game that really kind of was looking like another one of those heartbreakers for a while. It was, uh, you know, Dom got his goal and uh, late Scott Sutter gets his, uh, you know, after giving up a goal late, mm-hmm. late, late in the game. Um, seemingly off nothing, you know, out of nowhere and off a deflection to boot. It was just like, oh, here we go again. This is the kind of thing that happens to Orlando City. They, you know, the ball deflects off the defender. Uh, goes into the corner of the net where the goalkeeper cannot reach it, and uh, and it's a loss. But no, Scott Sutter does not care for your narratives. <laughs> he would like to say, I'm here to score goals, even though I'm a defender, and he did. He went out and scored a goal in uh, stoppage time, 2-2 draw, and it was, I think, I believe this is correct now, Sutter with four goals as a Lion, three of them in stoppage time, and I believe all three were game-tying goals. That's pretty clutch. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, uh, look, we all know that he hustles and he tries hard. And uh, you know, the previous season, he had been playing what seemed like forever. But uh, and you know, we were missing him. So I guess he, maybe he's got some energy now, and that's why he's able to uh, to get out there and be Mr. Clutch at the end. But uh, who cares why? Uh, it was. What's funny is right before he scored, I was literally thinking to myself, two one. Wait a minute, that's what I predicted surely that's not going to happen, and then he scores. And I was like, okay, that makes more sense. You must have thought that Philly would score again, because knowing it would go Maybe. To, knowing if it went 2-2, there's no way it could end that way. So you probably would have thought Philly would have got made it 3-1. So That, that would have made that probably would have made more sense, yeah. Neither one of us would have been right. Um, the cool thing that I find about this is that, you know, I've seen a lot of comments this year about Orlando City needing new fullbacks, plural. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, Mohamed Omunir has been suspect defensively. He's been fine going forward, but he's had some troubles on the defensive end. Um, you know, Donnie Toya has been out of the picture and, and is not a, a threat going forward. They've tried PC. Um, they've tried Tony Rocha. They've tried uh, Jonathan Spector this week. Um, so the left side, certainly uh, you could make a case that they need a fullback. 
I've maintained all year, even though Sutter was out with injuries, that Scott Sutter is a he is a top notch fullback in this league, and he is capable of being a top five right back in this league. And people don't think he's fast. I think he's got sufficient pace to play at this level. It's uh, you know, he's he's getting a little older, but he's not ancient. He still has he still moves really well, and he's one of those guys, Dave, that um, you know. Any fullback in this league, even the fastest ones, are going to get burned by the fastest wings because the fastest wing players are among the fastest players in the league. <laughs> and that's right. why they play where they do. So, you know, it's not a matter of you need to be faster than the other guys, the other guys, the other team's attacker. It's you have to be fast enough to man your position. And what Scott Sutter has done in recent games is he's gotten forward, he's helped in the attack, but he's also locked down his side pretty well. There's not been a, that much. Um, you know, danger coming from his side. Now, part of that has been because teams have been attacking Jonathan Spector. Teams have been attacking PC. So that is part of it. And it, uh, But I do think that Scott Sutter is an adequate uh, to decent, uh, to maybe even good defender uh, as a right back. And uh, it's nice to see the, him uh, him scoring goals and, and adding, um, you know, some offense to the team. I, I think to those of you who said that uh, Scott Sutter is too slow and is not uh, a quality uh, fullback in this league, I just have to uh, quote Homer Simpson. In your face, Flanders. <laughs> you know, you mentioned uh, Spectre being on the left, and uh, I, I think that was a, uh, a like you said, uh, a bunch of failed experiments over there, and, and James O'Connor finally just said, I'll heck with it, and uh, I've got more center backs, so hey, uh, Spectre, do you mind going out there? You you did this uh, sometime in your past, right? Jonathan's like, well, yeah, like 20 years ago, but sure. And, you know, it it was better than what we'd had. Yeah, Spectre's been a, a fullback for quite some time. I mean, he's played a lot of fullback. He's he's more natural on the right side, but, uh, you know, to, to try him on the left, I think, was a good move to see what you got. Now, a lot of people complained about his, his uh, performance. I don't think that he played poorly. I think that you have to know going in, you're not going to get a lot of attack out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not going to get up the field. He's going to maybe be a little more cautious uh, because the fact is Philadelphia has a very potent, uh, you know, bunch of midfield attacking midfielders um, with Pico and, and Sapong and, and of course, Dutch call. Uh, he's, he's not going to cheat forward. He'll, he'll pick his spots and be sneaky at times, which he was uh, in the game. And um, you know, he's, but I thought he did fine. In fact, I gave him a good grade. I thought he was fine. And a lot of people thought he was a problem. And I didn't think he was a problem at all. His his defense was good. He had, um, you know, the one uh, goal there by uh, by Corey Burke was crossed in from his side. But he was playing deeper than than where Dodge Call was. It wasn't his man crossing it in is what I'm trying to say. So I don't think that he had any major meltdowns defensively. Um, I think he was solid. He was certainly more solid than what we've seen from PC and El Munir in recent games. Um, and... You know, I think that he did fine. And, you know, going in, you're not going to get a lot of offense. It's going to leave a hole uh, when there's no room for Yotun. When he runs out of room or gets closed down, he's going to need an outlet that he didn't always have. But I guess the good thing about having Spectre playing left back and, and knowing that there's going to be some space not filled is that Yoshi covered a lot of ground. More Yoshi on the ball is good thing, uh, to put it very bluntly. Yeah, and, and you could tell, though, it did take its toll on on Yoshi toward the end of the game. He was not moving real good toward the end of that game. Of course, he had a couple of weeks off, uh, one because Orlando was off, and two because he got a two-game suspension. Uh, yeah. So that will take its toll on a hot uh, summer night in Orlando um, as he, you know, faltered uh, down the stretch and, and didn't have the jump in the legs that he once did. And it kind of helped lead to the goal by Picot because he had an opportunity to, to dispossess Picot and couldn't do it. Just didn't have enough energy or strength to do it. And Picot powered through him and knocked the ball in off Shane O'Neill. Uh, and um, that was unfortunate. It's certainly not all on Yoshi because he went, Picot went through a couple of players on that play mm-hmm. and uh, it was an unfortunate deflection, not Bendix fault. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously uh, it was a, a, it looked like a game-winning goal at the time, but Scott Sutter said, uh, nope, not tonight. <laughs> Gotta love it when Sutter gets up there. He's I, I think he's a very intimidating-looking guy. I mean, I'm sure he's, 
you know, really nice guy, but on the field, I mean, with that, with the short hair and the, the look of determination, uh, you know, I, the ball might've just been scared into the goal. Um, <laughs> because, uh, but no, I mean, excellent goal. And, and, uh, everybody at our house, um, you know, we're kind of eating a late dinner and, and watching it. And, uh, he puts that in and, and there's eruptions at the dinner table, uh, you know, mouths full of food, but still, you know, yelling, yes. Uh, so it was, it was, it was quite a goal. And, uh, you know, we, we did speak a little about Yoshi picture, perfect delivery on the early free kick that, uh, that, that Dom headed home. Mm-hmm. Um, just an unbelievable, uh, you know, set piece delivery. Like we're used to from Yoshi. Dom got free of his, uh, defender and, uh, he did what Dom does and that's score goals when he wants. Hey, uh, he absolutely scores when he wants, and that wasn't the only uh, good um, chance created by uh, Yoshi. I mean, he had uh, 11 crosses, five of which were truly good. Of course, he had the the free kick service in on Dom's goal. Um, you know, it, he did exactly what we've kind of come to expect from him. I mean, he's solid all night, other than that late breakdown. But like you said, covering a lot more ground maybe than usually has to. Um, it still, it, he, he played an outstanding, um, match. Obviously, you know, D- Dom did a great job doing what Dom does is get in there, mix it up, get the head on, on the ball and put it in the back of the net. Um, and he's now tied for third on goals in a season. Is that right? I believe he is tied with Laren's, uh, third highest goal total with Orlando city. So yeah, I think he's the third highest total yeah. since uh orlando city joined mls so since uh, mls yeah we want to see him on 18 goals at the end of the year so that he can mm-hmm. have the record because uh we want him to have the record and, and not we want an american international and not a canadian international to have the record <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> an american international with a with a british accent uh yes. specifically uh, well you know now that yoshi's back and and uh giving that good service in the Dom, you know, Hey, we, we might see it. Uh, that's, that's a potent, uh, attacking combination. So, um, I don't know. I, I, we got a point out of it. And after so many not getting points, I'm pretty happy. Yeah. Overall, I thought the game was a decent game considering the fact that Philadelphia had been, uh, really playing well of late and, um, you know, you kind of had it almost chalked up as a loss the way Philly had been playing lately. But, uh, you know, Orlando played really well in the first half for the most part. Uh, probably could have done a little better in, in the attack a few times. Uh, Yotun had, I believe, seven chances created. And, uh, you know, you would have thought maybe the team could have cashed in more than that. But um, it was, uh, you know, I think more important to defend the Philly attack and uh, try to pick spots, and, and that's kind of what they did. Kleshin came back um, only after only a couple of training sessions, so uh, he tried to go. He went as long as he could. It didn't look like he was moving all that well. It didn't look like he uh, quite had the stamina or the uh, you know the energy that we're used to from him. Um, mm-hmm. So he was subbed out in the second half. They brought in uh, you know Coleman. Coleman really played well in spots. He was kind of inconsistent, as you might expect from a young player like that but the moments of brilliance that he had were were tremendous in fact he assisted on the the game time goal yeah um it's like you said i'm not expecting him to go out and live up to the potential that we think he has right now that's part of growing and and growing his game um so it's good to see him it's nice seeing him come on late. I think that's that's a good spot for him. Uh, I thought um, Carlos Askew's also uh, played a good game uh, on the back line, and uh, having him paired with O'Neill, I think is is pretty good. Even though um, I think Askew's had a better game than O'Neill, but still uh, having those two be able to be in the middle and that allowed Spectre to go out to the left, um, uh, that provided a little bit more stability. And then, uh, of course, you know. Dom being Dom and, and Yoshi being Yoshi, there's there's very little to, to complain about when it comes to those two. Yep. Uh, James O'Connor emptied his bench of defensive midfielders and put them all on the field. Um, <laughs> Chris Nagita played really well in the first half and 
really poorly in the second half. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but he came off uh, without uh, getting a card, so that's a, a win. Um, that's right. Will Johnson gave his usual workmanlike effort, uh, hustling and, and providing energy and doing whatever he could. Rossell looked pretty good. Um, Asquez playing center back for the first time with this team. Mostly looked good. He had a couple of uh, glitches trying to play the ball forward where he turned it over. Um, I've seen some some commenters and some people on Twitter saying that he didn't play well and he's a better defensive midfielder. And maybe that's true, but I didn't think he had a poor debut. I think he had those turnovers. Will he'll have to cut those down, obviously. But it's been a while since he's played center back, and um, you know he's going to have to get used to his new partner and, and things like that. So I think I thought overall he did well. Um, certainly enough to give him another look there. But right now, I mean, James O'Connor is still looking for the best 11 he can field, and he hasn't found it yet, and, and that's evident in, in the results. Yeah, and uh, the at this point in the season, I mean, he might as well experiment, see what he's got, see who's going to keep. Um, you know, I'm not saying – that's not to say that he's not trying to win matches. So let's not – Let's not anybody assume that from what I'm saying. Uh, I think that he's trying to figure out who to put out where, what combination is going to work. And, of course, you know, we talk about center back pairings. That's typically something that time is needed for the communication and a partnership to develop. And we've had, you know, almost a new center back pairing every single game it feels like so that's there's going to be there's going to be problems when that happens uh like you said ton of defensive midfielders so uh, put them on the field see who can do what and <laughs> i you know uh, i don't know what the right combination is either I'm the, they don't pay me for that um but uh it's i, I don't know it it'll I, I i fully expect that we might see uh some changes uh this weekend as well well, we'll have to see some changes because Yoshimar Yotun is going off to play for Peru, and he will not be available. Amro Tarek will not be available, and also uh, Mohamed El Munir will not be available. He's missed the last two games. One was a coach's decision, and one was he was uh, he had to go to D.C. to clear up some uh, paperwork for his call-up. So um, hmm. he had some uh, some visa issues there. So there was that. There was uh, you know Tarek's been on the bench the last couple of games. He won't be around. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see who goes out and plays against Sporting Kansas City. You would imagine former SKC stars Yuri Rossell and uh, Dom Dwyer to both be in the lineup. Other than that, it is anyone's guess. I'm assuming we'll see Aguita and Question and Asquez and probably O'Neal and Sutter. And, uh, you know, other than that, it's, it's a toss-up. We'll probably see... All the available defensive midfielders, because that <laughs> seems to be the heart of this team right now. Um, it's like, well, we're not going to score a, goal, a bunch of goals, so let's try to win the ball in the midfield. You know, that yeah, seems to be the hold goal. on to the ball as long as we can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can, I can see it now when he's speaking the line. Defensive midfielder? No. Okay, hold on. Defensive midfielder? Yes, put him in. Defensive midfielder? Put him in. Yeah, so one one of them that we haven't seen in a few games, though, a couple of them that we haven't seen in a few games, Dylan Powers and Tony Rocha, we haven't seen them in a few games, um, not even in the lineup on Saturday. Um, Pierre De Silva was in the lineup, but he didn't get in the game. Um, yeah, so lots going on. You're going to go out and play Kansas City. Uh, Dom with his homecoming uh, of sorts, I guess, you know, depending on how you look at it, he's either coming home <laughs> to Kansas City uh, if you're a Kansas City fan or he's going on the road, if, you know, with his home club, if you're an Orlando fan, uh, both fan bases sort of claim uh, their city as his home. And, uh, you know, it's probably a case where both things are true. But uh, it would be I really want him to score because I want to see what he's going to do. I want to see if he's going to, you know, play it cool and, and not celebrate, you know, like we see so often with with uh, players who return to their old stomping grounds. Or I want to see if he does the flip. Yeah, that would be that, that. That's the two options. It's there's no celebration other than the flip, or he does nothing. That's so, it. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm interested to see what happens there. Um, I want to see him score more than once, honestly. Well, it's been a while since he's had a brace. So yeah, I would I would definitely be up for that. And of course, that would put him closer to the uh, team's goal scoring record in MLS, which would is something I'm in favor of. So that's that would be good. Um, but yeah, it was a, a draw, another um, point, a point uh, rescued at the end for uh, James O'Connor on his birthday. So happy birthday, Gaffer. You got a, a point for your birthday. 
Sorry you didn't get all three. Uh, they got lost. The other two got lost in the mail, I think. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday. But, uh, well, you know, honestly, the way things are going, that's, that's about as good of a birthday gift as you can expect. Yeah. it's. It, can James O'Connor please get a second victory, please? Right. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen this week. The team has not been good on the road. It's funny because it was – uh, I remember distinctly tweeting early in the year um, that Orlando City had, I think, three or four wins, three, I think, wins on the road last year. And I said, oh, they already have two on the road this year. That was after three road games. Still yeah. sitting on two. <laughs> Way to go, Michael. Yeah, it's all on me. It's it's my fault. But I, all I said was the truth, that they already had two. I didn't say that they were going to get a third or fourth. I just said they already had two. And they had many, many, many games lying ahead to uh, to break last year's mark. And it, it, they still could do it, and they might not. Wait, so it could happen or it might not? Yes. Both of those, now, both of both those, those are, are true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or they could end up with the exact same number as last year. They could. So that's the kind of uh, of, of in-depth uh, quality programming you get here on the Mainland Podcast. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's like um, the the tweets from the Cleveland Indians account this year have been hilarious. They've been, uh, you know, they'll talk about a, a win and they'll say that's, uh, you know, Cleveland's still unbeaten in games in which they scored more runs than the opponent. <laughs> things nice. like that so it's been it's been funny uh to watch those tweets anyway uh we will get into orlando city uh at sporting kansas city too many cities uh in these names um a little bit later in the show we'll give you our uh key matchups and our scoreline predictions but we're also going to bring in our special guest now to talk about the matchup and uh i'll get to that we'll get to that right after this All right, joining us this week on the Mainland Podcast, very happy to have with us from the Blue Testament, uh, that is the, the SB Nation site that covers Sporting Kansas City. Happy to have with us Thad Bell. Thad, thanks for being with us on the podcast. Hey, no problem, man. I'm happy to join you guys. You know, it's it's been a while since we've had you. Actually, in six days, it will be three years to the day since you were last on with us. Wow. <laughs> no, it... Uh, you know, that's what happens when these Eastern and Western conference teams don't play each other very much. You don't get to talk to the uh, the, the rest of the bloggers around the league as often as you might like to. But uh, so anyway, Thad, I, I guess the big headline uh, for Saturday night is Dom Dwyer returning to the Blue Hell. Uh, what is you know what are you hearing from sporting fans about uh, Dom Dwyer coming back? What kind of uh, what kind of reception do you expect he'll get? And what do you what do you think we'll see from him on Saturday? Oh, really? I haven't heard much, quite honestly. Um, I thought I would hear more <laughs> if, it, if it had been probably more recent uh, or, you know, like uh, sooner after the trade, it might might have been different. But uh, or even just two months ago, it might have been different when Sporting was looking for a uh, center forward who would score once in a while. Uh, but they seem to have found one now, even though they've had him all along. Um, so it's really actually been kind of quiet. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of chatter about that, but I think it'll be kind of a mixed reception. I mean, some people will love him for his time here, and some people will want to give him crap because now he's not. So Yeah, typical fan stuff, I guess, right? Yeah, pretty much. You'll have a little bit of everything. <laughs> uh, knowing what you know about Dom, if he does score a goal, what do you think he'll do? Do you think he'll be kind of a, a non-celebrator, or do you think he'll uh, you know do his flip? I think he'll do a slip. <laughs> uh, Just rub it in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think it, yeah, because I mean, I don't think. Quite honestly, I don't think he was upset with the trade, but at the same time, I think he feels he probably felt that, you know, it was uh, a little bit of a slap to the face. I know his uh, his wife kind of made some comments like that. So, what was his relationship like with Peter Vermees? Do you think at the end? I don't really know right at the end, but I'll I'll, I'll tell you a, a, a conversation I overheard just a little tiny bit of one time, uh, and I probably shouldn't, but because I was walking past a room they were having a meeting in with the, it was the whole team meeting before a game or something, mm -hmm. and I heard something along the lines of Peter saying, "Dom, you're an asshole." But you're our asshole. <laughs> so, you know, like it was a good thing. So, yeah, and and kind of that's that's his um, 
that's sort of his personality on the field, isn't it? He's he's a bit of an agitator. Uh, he gets under guys' skin. Uh, he's not afraid to take a yellow card here and there. He, he is kind of, uh, I guess, an asshole for for lack of a better word uh, when it comes to the opposition, right? Oh yeah, he was he was a magnificent pest, and and he did that role really really well. And quite honestly, I think in the right team, he is a magnificently good player. Uh, I think the. The only problem with sporting is sporting style kept slowly changing and evolving, and it became less effective with him as part of that role. It's not a knock on him. Mm -hmm. It's just the team changed a little bit. Sure, and if you have pieces that don't fit anymore, you kind of have to jettison them and and find pieces that do, especially when they're not inexpensive uh, like Tom Dwyer. So uh, certainly understandable why sporting would, would part with him. I know that uh, Orlando ruffled a lot of feathers in terms of, um, you know, the the whole Dom's coming home thing when, when Dom got traded back here. Obviously, he was on loan here from Sporting Kansas City, and, and we all know that. But I think more than being a an intentional slap to Sporting fans, I think it was just – it just shows you how much this city embraced him back in the USL days, you know? Yeah, it- I think the the bad part about it wasn't when he was traded. It was some of the stuff well before that when uh, when Heath talked about how this was his spiritual home. I think was I think that was the phrase he used. Yeah, that was the very odd and, thing that he said. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, and then quite honestly, and every fan base has this, so don't get me wrong. But there was a few Orlando fans who were just very like you know he belongs here this is his home that was long before the trade Uh so (laughs) that i think that's where all that built up i don't think it had much to do with the actual trade itself it was was all that pre-stuff and orlando's got some fantastic fans you guys also have a few toxic ones here yeah i mean it's most yeah it's a it's a fan base so every fan base has its knuckleheads and you know there's there really are no exceptions to that that's that's the, that's the I think maybe the the lone universal rule without any exceptions. But uh, uh, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see him back in Sporting Kansas City and, and to see you know how the fans respond to him. I'm sure they'll they'll be giving him the business as they do there in the Blue Hell. And um, you know I guess you know for those of us that we don't get to see Sporting a lot, I, I know Sporting started off uh, pretty well and then went through a bit of a slump for a bit and seems to have be rebounding from that. What can you tell us about Sporting's uh, season in 2018? Um, interesting. It's like they they were more successful than they played or they were less successful than they played almost every single time. They never seem to be like at the level they're playing, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Um, you know, They got a lot of good results against uh, really good teams, Atlanta and things like that. But then you could say, well, they were helped by red cards or you know odd calls or something like that. And then, like even this last match when they lost in Seattle, you know there was a awkward bounce that was an own, ended up being an own goal and a PK called, which you know was legit. I'm not saying it wasn't uh, things like that. But it's just kind of like okay, all the bounces go the right way, all the bounces go the wrong way. Sporting can be really good at times, and they when they're when they're on, they can play with the best teams in the in the league. And when they're not, they and barely play with the worst teams. So. <laughs> uh, one of the big uh, stories of last year was was Tim Melia. How has he been this year? Has he kept up that level that he had going? There's been a, a couple games here and there where he did not look to be the Superman that he was last year, but most, for the most part, he's been really consistently pretty good. Um, there's been more times where his defense let it let him down and you know left him hung out to dry. But uh, that you know that's been probably the biggest problem for Sporting this year is the defense was not so good the first few games, locked it down, was really good for a while, went into a bad spell again, and now seem to be you know getting it back together, have got it back together again, barring the last game. Is this a team that can legitimately win the West and um, potentially even mount a late charge for a supporter shield? Um, yes and no. Yes to the West. Um, and I caught a lot of flack two months ago when they were, you know, on a great win streak for everybody's like, oh, you know, because they were, you know, points wise, they were right up there. And I thought they were too inconsistent and they were too many holes and there was just a few too many things that were wrong. And I 
on our podcast, I said that I didn't think that they would be a, a supporter shield candidate. And then everything with the crap and everybody's like, Oh, you know, they're the worst thing ever. So now I'm on the other side. No, they're pretty good. You guys got to have some faith. And <laughs> it's, um, but I just didn't think they were that going to be that strong and that consistent throughout the season to compete with the, the couple best teams in the, in the league. But uh, I do think they have a legitimate chance to win the West. It's, probably took a hit last week but it, it really just you know next couple games will really tell that tell that out because they they play dallas and the lafc both at the end of the season so that will be the, the real test there now there's been some some turnover with the team since we last uh, saw you guys and, and of course um you know since we only see you once uh, a year there's that's pretty much always the case but you know the fans here they know beesler they know zussi who are some of the guys flying under the radar sort of an, on the national stage that that orlando city fans should know about and be wary of uh, come saturday uh well <laughs> on the national stage as far as uh, U.S. or just any? No, I mean, I mean, like guys that you guys know really well because they're local. But maybe around the country, they're not getting quite as much ink as as maybe they would if they were playing for New York City or Atlanta or LAFC. Well, um, that's a good question. Uh, it, I, I will always go to Ilya Sanchez because, like, to me, Ilya is pretty much uh, the key guy on the team at the moment. Uh, but he's a D mid, so you know, obviously, you never like go oh he's the greatest player in the league kind of thing right he's but he's way up there um problem for sporting this weekend and kind of segue may be into something you're going to ask later but is they're missing their what i would consider to be their three starters on the forward line right now they're all up on uh, international duty mm-hmm. uh daniel shallowy johnny russell and diego rubio are all gone um also jalen Lindsay, but He's not been a regular starter. So it, the forward line, the entire forward line will be guys who maybe would have been starting at any other time but would not have been considered the starters at this point. Yeah, and, and you know, Orlando's got a lot of that going on as well. Our, our best player, Yoshimar Yotun, will be out with Peru. Uh, Mohamed El Munir will be out with Libya, and uh, Amro Tarek will be with Egypt. So those three will not be playing, although of late Tarek and El Munir have not been starting. But certainly Yotun is the big uh, the big loss for Orlando City in that uh, that game, and, and really the team has struggled without him this year. So uh, he's kind of the He's the guy that's going to get 90 touches a game. He's going to glue the uh, the back line to the to the attack and and be that conduit and can can play in the set piece uh, balls perfectly for people to just uh, easily head home and that kind of thing. So you're going to see a little bit from from the uh, from the from the purple side of the ledger as well. Um, where do you see this game being won and lost? What are what are the key matchups for this uh, particular contest? Um. I think it will be probably uh, it'll be both forward lines against the defenses because I mean obviously Dom's going to be there and he's going to be really well motivated to score because um, I quite honestly if I was going to bet anything I would bet that Dom scores a goal um, just because he has to right <laughs> storyline um, you know he's Eichel Parr is going to be out this weekend and. So we don't know who's going to be partnering with Matt Beasler. It could be uh, Andreo Fantas's uh, first game with Sporting. He's a former Barcelona Celta Vigo guy. Um, so he, you know, he he's quality, but we'll just see if he's how much he plays. You know, it plays that game. Um, but then on the on the opposite side is obviously you know the 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 second line for sporting sports if how they will uh, be able to attack you guys so. all right yeah that's uh i mean there's a lot of unknowns with with the players out and that kind of thing and one thing we do know is that sporting is usually pretty tough at home it's a good environment um how do you see this game playing out what do you think the score is going to be at the end of the game uh that's that's uh one of those things that everybody always asks and quite honestly <laughs> i almost I always answer two two um <laughs> That way I'm a little bit safe no matter which way it goes. Um, I, again, if I was going to bet, which I don't really do too often, but if I was going to bet, I would bet that Sporting wins the game. Um, and I would just say 2-1 because uh, I know you guys have struggled. You know, Not that you guys don't have a really good team. It's just not putting it together right at the moment. 
Uh, so that's not trying to be a slam on you guys, but uh, just know you guys are struggling and know sporting needs to, to get on the, the right side of things and they can. So that's, that's kind of where I see it at the moment. Well, you don't have to be diplomatic here, Thad. I mean, the team's won one, <laughs> one time in the last 17 games. You can say it's not a good team because it, you know, you're, you are what your record says as the old saying goes. Um, Thad, uh, True, but you have players that, I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for the quality of a lot of those players, yeah. though. The questions, the Yuri Rozelle, Dom. You know, I don't know all your players, but the ones that I do know are fit players that just are not. When things go bad, they go bad, and mm-hmm. it went bad for you guys. You know, that's a good point too. Uh, Rosell also with a bit of a homecoming here um, for for you know with Orlando coming to Sporting Kansas City. Uh, what are your thoughts on on seeing him back in the league, and uh, you know how was that news you know met by Sporting fans? You know, I think people, well, Kansas City fans are pretty much, you know, once they love you, they love you, right? Especially when you leave and come back to somebody else in the league. So they were pretty unhappy when Namath came back to go to New England. And uh, and they, a lot of them were happy when he came back to Kansas City now, finally. Of course, he hasn't done much of anything. But uh, for Yuri, you know, he was he had some really good games for Kansas City. He was part of some of... Uh, you know, a couple of championships and people really liked him. He was, uh, you know, he was kind of the precursor to getting Ilya. Um, you know, a lot of similarities to how those guys play. And I would, I would love to see those two in like a four, two, three, one type of situation. Cause it would just be, uh, amazing. I haven't really got the chance to see Yuri as much when I've watched. It's been bad games for you guys. So it was not really the best games for Yuri. So I've kind of been wondering how he's been doing for you all. Well, he's he sort of struggled at first, and I think he's over the last month or so he's finally looked like the player that I think Orlando City fans thought they were getting a couple of games ago. He had um, a really a monster game uh, against DC United in a in a game that I'm sure everyone has seen the highlights from at the end of the game. But uh, Rosell was really one of the best players in that match. Uh, everybody remembers the the Wayne Rooney uh, long assist at the end where. Uh, the offside didn't get called, and uh, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the other earlier offside was uh, was ruled offside and then changed. And uh, you know, it was it was a game of um, well, we have a saying on the podcast, "Pro gonna pro," and that's kind of what happened yeah. a lot in that game. Uh, it were four controversial uh, plays reviewed, and basically all of them went against Orlando and uh, and helped uh, helped uh, build that Rooney legend that the league was so uh, wanting to get going. So. Um, but yeah, I think Rosell over the last month has looked, uh, a lot more solid, maybe, uh, just now getting used to his teammates, getting back used to MLS play. I know he wasn't playing as often when he was in uh, Europe, so maybe it just took a while to get that rhythm back, but, uh, he looks like he's been better of late and certainly he's been a more dangerous, uh, setup man, uh, in recent games. So I think that, uh, maybe he's finally turning a corner, but I guess we'll, we'll see what happens on Saturday, Thad. So, uh. Um, I, I think it's going to be an entertaining game. Uh, Orlando games, even though they lose a lot, tend to be entertaining one way or the other. Uh, there's sure to be a controversial call somewhere along the line and um, probably re- either related to a red card or a penalty. And, um, you know, it'll be it, it will be interesting. I, I think that's, you know, the old saying, um, may you live in interesting times, the old curse. I think that's what Orlando is going through right now. They're living <laughs> in interesting times. Yeah. And. Quite honestly, if I was going to make a wild prediction, it'd be Dom getting a red. But it would be it would be a two yellow situation: one for a foul, and one for taking his jersey off when he scored. I could see that happening. I I do recall that he he got a red card coming back to Orlando the first time uh, that that uh, that he played here. Um, you know, I think it was back in 2015. Uh, he got a red card in that game. Uh, so that was um, <laughs> it's there's a precedent for it, obviously. <laughs> And uh, it's it's happened with uh, former sporting players coming back to Kansas City for the first time also. Uh, that happened with Namath, actually, when he was with New England. He uh, started the game against sporting last year and threw an elbow at Zussi. Not a vicious elbow either, but, I mean, it was definitely a, it was definitely a high arm back to the face, mm-hmm. you know. And they they barred him, and he was like, what? what's a bar? And he got, he got the right card, so. Oh, goodness. Well, uh, Thad, tell people where they can uh, find your stuff on the Internet. 
Uh, TheBlueTestament.com, and the reason it's the Blue Testament is all the Kansas City soccer teams had blue colors at the time that we renamed the blog. So, uh, <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense. All right, uh, Thad Bell, uh, manager of the Blue Testament, thank you so much for being with us, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again down the road. All right, hey, uh, good luck in, uh, not on Saturday, but any other day. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks. All right, man, take care, guys. All right, we want to thank Thad Bell from the Blue Testament for stopping by and being our guest here on episode 141 of the Mainland Podcast. And Dave, you know, earlier when we were discussing Orlando City and um, the Philadelphia Union, we forgot to give our Man of the Match uh, awards out. So why don't you tell me who was your Man of the Match? Wow, it seems like so long ago. All right, um, my Man of the Match, uh, I was I was up in the air between um, – uh, it, it could have gone to, to Dom for scoring a goal. It could have gone to Yoshi for playing like he did. But ultimately, I've got to go with Scott Sutter because he scored a goal and also played really well. Um, so incredible passing percentage. Um, looked good and, and, you know, got the draw for us uh, in, in stoppage again. So, um, yeah, there you go. Scott Sutter. All right. I would say... Um... Uh, man of the match or woman of the match, whoever the whichever the case may be, is whoever brought the cookies up to the press box before halftime, because nice. that was a it was really great to have them up there before halftime. Uh, no, I I would say, um, yeah, Scott Sutter is who I picked. I did the grades this week, and uh, he was he was excellent in all facets of the game, offensively, defensively. He was something like uh, six for six on his long ball accuracy. He had one uh, cross the field switch uh, to, I believe it was Yoshi. That was, I, I, I described it as uh, porn for passing enthusiasts. That's Ooh. how good that pass was. It was a, you know, you, you needed, uh, you needed a break. You needed to take a nap after watching that pass. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Have uh, a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't condone that. So I'm not saying that. No, we don't. Condone, I don't smoke. <laughs> we don't condone um, it's just, it's nasty. It stinks. Uh, but anyway, yes, it was, um, it was a fantastic night for Scott Sutter and uh, he's deserving man of the match. Uh, so he is our man of the match. Dave, let's get to some questions from the listeners. Shall we? My favorite part. Okay, so you can ask the Mainland Podcast literally any question you want to ask. doesn't have to be soccer-related. It can be soccer-related. It can have something to do with the um, the crankcase on your uh, 57 Chevy. Uh, sure. We might not know the answer, but we will give you an answer. Oh, yeah. No, we'll give you an answer. Um, you could even uh, ask us uh, about our... Um, our, our favorite type of Italian uh, food. Um, I don't know that I have one, but, uh, you know, it's worth asking. Yeah, you'll give an answer. I'll give an answer. All right, you can ask us anything in two different ways. You can uh, hit us up on Twitter. We are on Twitter. We are at the mainland. And uh, you spell main, M-A-N-E, like a lion's mane, as you would. And uh, just hit us up with that hashtag, ask T-M-L-P-C. If you want to, you can do it the old-fashioned way and email us. We are themainland at gmail.com. Once again, spell main like a lion's mane, and you will have it uh, correct. So let's get to tonight's uh, questions or this week's questions. Uh, it might not be night wherever you're, whenever you're listening to this, but uh, it's night when we're recording it. So that's why we say things like this because – yeah, you know, time, time, timey wimey, wibbly wobbly. Just deal with it. We're in the moment when we do the podcast. Um, I will start with Lee, friend of the podcast. Lee uh, wants to know uh, is a very, very serious question. Dave. Okay. And this question is: Is Clint Dempsey the greatest American soccer player ever? Of course, Deuce was. Uh, Made news this week, so uh, retiring from professional soccer. Dave is Deuce the greatest American soccer player ever. Um, is he, I, yeah, he's up there. I won't say he's the greatest. Not I. That's you know with the different positions and and different times of you know uh, people playing in in different World Cups and and what their team around them was like. It's hard to for me to say that he's the, he's the greatest, but I will absolutely say he is one of the greatest. Um, he scored, he was just the first American to score a goal in three World Cups. Um, he obviously, you know, is tied for the, the 
number of goals with uh, Landon Donovan. So, I mean, the the numbers are there for him to be considered and and an argument could be made to be I could be convinced. Um, I just haven't given it enough thought to to go yay or nay on it. Yeah, I am a a big time, I guess you would say, waffler when it comes to uh, greatest ever because I really find it impossible to compare players that are from different generations. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. saying, uh, you know, is is Alex Rodriguez better than Babe Ruth and that kind of thing? I I don't know. They played at different times when people did different things and prepared for the game in different ways. And I think that that's that's, uh, the the case in every sport. So I don't know if he's the greatest American soccer player ever. I will say he's in the conversation and he's probably very prominent in that conversation. Um, Certainly he's he was maybe the most fun to watch. I love the way his his, uh, try stuff mentality, you know, just try stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's something that you would, you know, typically not see out of an American player, but you see it a lot out of uh, South American players. Just the willingness to try something that is maybe, uh, maybe futile and maybe spectacular. Um, Yeah. I I loved watching Deuce play and, um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, it'd be nice if he went out and did a, like a, uh, what do you call the games uh, when they uh, when they do farewell tour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, the, the the thing they do the testimonial testimonial game. That's what the the, Euro- oh, yeah. the European players do when they're you know with a, the the longtime European veteran players. Uh, they have those testimonial games. Now, hopefully they have one for Clint because uh, it'd be nice to see him rise one more time. Yeah, and I would love to see yeah. it happen in a U.S. game because maybe then he would break the uh, the tie with Landon Donovan. And that would certainly help his his, uh, his argument or the argument for him being one of the great uh, the greatest if he was able to do that. So, but yeah, I'd, I'd I'd love to see uh, him get out there. And I, I almost feel like if he did and it wasn't in the U.S. Uh, jersey, I, I feel he would score. Like it it just would happen. <laughs> yeah, most uh, non penalty kick goals in in U.S. history, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Lee, for that question. Uh, we did answer it, even though it was really a wishy-washy answer from both of us. But it was heartfelt. It was. Uh, we love we love us some Clint, and except when yeah, yeah. he's uh, playing uh, for the Sounders against us, uh, against Orlando. Right, but otherwise, <laughs> we love the Deuce. Uh, absolutely. Ryan Smith has asked us, which of these jerseys would you donate for a chance to win? Um, for uh, to write love on her arms is a uh, is a nonprofit that uh, of course Ashlyn Harris is very involved in U.S. Women's National Team and Orlando Pride goalkeeper. Uh, the the jerseys are from the U.S.'s game uh, on Friday night against Chile, uh, which was won by the U.S. Women's National Team 3-0. We might be able to touch on that a little bit in a few minutes. Um, but the players' uh, jerseys involved are Harris, Heath, Alex Morgan, and Kristen Press. Dave, which of those uh, four jerseys would you uh, donate for a chance to win. Uh, you know, would you make a donation to win one of those four jerseys? Which jersey would you go for? Oh well, um, gosh, I, I guess I'd have to, I'd have to go for, um, for Alex Morgan's jersey. Um, you know, both uh, U.S. and and Pride player. So there's there's that. And then uh, you know, everybody loves a everybody loves a goal scorer. So um, it, I would happily do so for any of them honestly but if i have to pick one that's that's where i would go alex is your your pick i agree um alex you know holds uh you know special meaning to those of us in orlando so so does ashlyn so either of those would be fine of course tobin heath uh is a very great player in her own right Kristen press though 100th cap and she scored a goal so maybe Oh, okay. uh, maybe so a little maybe bit more value there. Circumstances. Yeah, maybe a little more value for yeah. the 100th cap jersey for Kristen Press. Um, so, but you can't go wrong with any of them. Great cause. And especially, yeah, I was going to say, especially it's a really great cause uh, for those who don't know. Um, it's uh, dedicated to presenting hope and finding help for people struggling with depression, addiction, self-injury, and suicide. So um, it's uh, you know if you if you've got the means and and the inclination, you know, go ahead and uh, donate and and you know see. It, you never know who it's going to help. Right. If you want to find out more about that, the Twitter account is at t w l o h a. And you can find the tweet about it and uh, find out how to how to get involved with that. 
Thank you, Ryan Smith, and uh, thanks, Lee. Uh, thank you guys for your questions this week. A small mailbag. There were no five-star reviews to read on the air, so we are moving right along, Dave, as we have to talk about. Let's talk about the U.S. women first uh, before we talk about the pride and then give, get into the mm-hmm. Kansas Sporting Kansas City game a little bit more. The U.S. playing Chile for the first time, a pair of friendlies. In fact, as we record this, they'll play the second game tonight, um, which is why we're kind of zipping through some of this because i got to cover that game tonight. Um, yeah, this is going to be a <laughs> short podcast, and we actually mean it this time. Uh, the U.S. basically dominant. Uh, Chile came out with a lot of energy and did a lot of good things, but you could tell pretty early on that uh, Chile, even though they were the second-best team in South America and have already qualified for the World Cup next year, you could tell they were not on the same athletic level as uh, the U.S. women's national team, uh, and the U.S. ground them down over the course of the 90 minutes. In fact, the um, you know the as the game wore on and on, it just looked like it was uh, more and more lopsided. Now it was only a three-nil win, but you also have to take into account that. Uh, <laughs> Kristen Press lost a goal in the most bizarre fashion imaginable. Uh, a penalty was given uh, for a foul in the box. Press stepped up, scored on it, and everybody thought that it was a goal. And really, up until halftime, everybody thought it was a goal. Just about, which was it was almost on the stroke of halftime, actually. But um, the goal was pulled back, and a free kick was given. Uh, and it was bizarre because. You know, they, it was apparently called back for encroachment, but the Chile defender encroached and stepped into the box before Crystal Dunn did. So it shouldn't have been anything except a right. goal. And then if you let's say, for example, the Chile player did not step into the box or if the referee didn't see it because Kristen scored, all it is is a retake. Yeah, it's it's not ever a free kick in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> so we got no real explanation. It was a head scratcher. Nobody knew what was going on. Everybody, it was weird to see the U.S. players all surrounding the referee as they went to the locker room at halftime. It's usually a post-game thing, not a halftime thing. But it was, it was clear there were a lot of unhappy people because at the at that point, Press hadn't scored, and it was her 100th cap in her, in her hometown. And you yep. have to think that was a, an incredibly special moment for her that got t- taken away for no reason. Yeah, and it's it's you're heart is bleeding for her at that point because there was no reason for it. And, and like I said, to go into the locker room, um, uh, I, I imagine there were quite a few grumpy faces in the crowd following that one. Um, so it, it was fortunately it was only halftime. So there was still time. Yeah. So it was two nil at the half on uh, Tierna Davidson scored her first goal. Uh, for the U.S. First international goal for Tiana Davidson, I believe her 11th cap. And, uh, oh, yeah, she's a center back. So uh, it was good to see her score, get on the score sheet. Uh, Julie mm-hmm. Ertz did not score the second goal, but she created it. It was an own goal, but it was from uh, a corner, just like Davidson's goal was off a corner. And uh, Ertz's goal, well, or the, the goal that wasn't hers, but it was uh, basically created by her, was one of those beautiful flick-on plays. And... Um, it was just bundled in by the Chilean defender and uh, may have gone in any way, but it goes down as an own goal and it was 2-0. And Press would have made it 3-0 with the penalty, but that didn't uh, count, so it would be 2-0 at the halftime. Uh, but it was not that close. And yeah. it's not that uh, that the U.S. played particularly well in the game, uh, but they they just weren't able to, to find the, the, uh, the final ball a lot of times uh, when they had... Uh, opportunities to score they came out in the second half uh, Morgan came out at halftime and uh, a couple other players they made some changes Carly Lloyd came on and Carly Lloyd could have scored a hat trick in fact she scored a goal off of the crossbar that landed inside the goal beyond the line but it was not spotted by anybody and so they <laughs> played on and uh, the replay showed pretty clearly that it was a goal but there's no video review in the friendly so uh, it didn't count uh, so that was really two goals more that that the, the U.S. should have had. I keep wanting to say Orlando. Um, of course, I should know that when we're talking about goals they should have scored, Orlando will always come up because they never score as many as they should. It's a reflex. <laughs> yeah. at, it's a reflex at this point. Yeah. yeah. 
but anyway, the uh, the U.S. did uh, add a third, and it was Kristen Press, so she got her storybook after all. And um, despite uh, Carly having another couple of excellent opportunities, uh, no other goals were scored. Uh, there was, I think, in the in the first half, I think I think it was Haran scored a goal that was called back on a foul. Um, there was another goal, I think, called back. I mean, it was just a crazy game. It, yeah. it could have been a 6 or 7 nothing game, but it only ended up 3-0. But uh, the U.S. with a win in the first ever meeting between the two sides. They'll play again tonight, last night, if you're getting this when it drops. Uh, and, we'll, of course, you can head over to themainland.com and, and read about the, the recap of the game. Uh, it really sucked, too, because it was Friday night, and they're showing tennis on ESPN2, and mm-hmm. it kicked the game to streaming only. Like they had, oh. they had no, you know, overflow channel for the U.S. women, and so I had to watch on Watch ESPN for, I don't know, like 30 minutes, and then it finally came on ESPN News, and so I put on ESPN News, and then after it had been on ESPN News for a while, they kicked it over to ESPN Two and gave you about a tenth of a second notice that they were going to do that. <laughs> so I was like, God, ah, I got to change. <laughs> Boy. If if there's not a uh, if if that's not a an example the the prime example of the lack of of um, equality in regards to the women's national team that 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 there just shows it completely it's like okay yeah we're gonna show it well no now it's gonna be over here up oh, now go online up oh, no over here back, back over here it's it's ridiculous yeah there's no way they're doing that if if it's the men and Christian Pulisic no. is playing there's no way that happens. Um, nope. They will give you plenty of, you'll be like, okay, we're going to be switching our coverage over to ESPN2 now. Uh, go on over to ESPN2, everybody. Don't want to miss it. Go ahead and flip those channels. Is everybody over there? Good. Now, we, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was like, <laughs> it was just like, okay, we're going to be cover our, uh, we're going to continue our coverage on ESPN2, and it was gone. Like as soon as Ian was done saying that, it was gone, and I was like, ah, <laughs> where's my, <laughs> where's my clicker? Uh, oh, yeah. Anyway. Um, it is what it is. Anyhow, uh, so the U.S. won. Dave, the Pride will conclude their 2018 season on Saturday afternoon at Sky Blue FC. Uh, Sky Blue, as we record this, uh, has not yet won a game. Uh, I think they have a midweek game coming up and then uh, maybe it's against Chicago, and then they will have the Pride on Saturday. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how afraid of, are you of the Pride giving Sky Blue FC their only win of the year? Oh, somewhere around eight or nine. Yeah, it's pretty high. Pretty high on my list, too, because this is a team that has uh, given Orlando fits in Orlando, and uh, then they'll be at home. So, uh, and, and if it's the last game of the season and Sky Blue hasn't got a win, they're going to play with incredible determination and desperation and against a team, frankly, from the Pride that has not played with much desperation this year. And now has even less to play for. So uh, one team has everything to play for, literally the only win that they would get. And the other one, hmm, not so much. Maybe thinking about what they're going to do in the offseason or, you know, whether they're going to be there or I don't know whether they're going to have for dinner or who knows. Um, I really hope that's not the case. I mean, I, I mentioned it last week. I really hope that it's that they have that, that the pride have more pride than that and they go out and they do what they're supposed to take care of business right. but um i'm like you said i'm i'm absolutely uh, i'm almost glad that i'm going to be working and not watching uh because unfortunately i work on saturdays because that way perhaps my blood pressure will stay lower perhaps uh dave what do you think do you think this is tom sermani's last game coaching uh the orlando pride or do you think it is contingent upon a result on Saturday? Um, I don't think it's contingent upon a result. Um, whether it's his last game or not, aye, that's that's a tougher one. I don't think that this game is going to... Uh, if if he's gone, I feel that the decision has probably already been made and they're simply letting you know the clock wind down on the season. Um, and if, uh, if they are keeping him, then... You know, it doesn't matter either, at that point either. So, um, oof. I kind of hope not. I think that uh, I, I think that he can still do a good job, and and you know, there's 
there were pieces that uh, that didn't fit together, um, things that were worse than the previous season. Um, but I, I don't know. You know, you may know better how much of that's you think is on Tom and how much is it is on the uh, the senior players, but uh, or the or even the new players. But um, I don't know. I don't know. It depends on it depends on how. Uh, I mean, they're not afraid about changing coaches at the uh, on the men's team, so it's it's certainly a possibility. Yeah, I, I could see a, a a situation where maybe they haven't made up their mind yet, and then it's like a three-one loss to give Sky Blue its only win of the year could be the deciding factor. I could see that happening. An embarrassing loss in the finale might um, might tip the scale if it's a, if it's a situation where they're on the fence about it. Um, as for the Pride's performances this year, I think there's blame to go around. I think I think it is on Tom. I think it is on the players. I don't think it's just one or the other. I think too many times people will look at a roster and say, if that roster doesn't win, it's the coach's fault. That's not always the case. I mean, sometimes players just don't mix well with other players. And when you have some changes and some turnover, I think that that can happen. It, it only sometimes takes one or two. Uh, changes to to completely upset the balance and i think that this is not a team that is clicking like it did last year um a down year from from morgan in many respects a down year from marta in some respects even though individually they you know you look at their performances and they were fine they just weren't um together you know what i mean the the parts have to mesh and they weren't meshing and i think there's a lot of reasons for that i think it's not just on those two players i think it's on a lot of players i don't think ashlyn harris had a good as good a season this year i don't think ali krieger had as good a season this year um you know right on down the line i think you can go right down the list of players uh, certainly alana kennedy didn't play as good this season um it, it's not just a player thing and it's not just a coaching thing there's a combination of 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 things that are in play and i think that that there's room uh, to point fingers each direction. Now it's always easier to just replace one coach than it is to replace a bunch of players. Uh, mm-hmm. But the easiest thing is to maintain some continuity, take out some of the pieces that didn't work, and add some new pieces, and hopefully that will rectify the situation. So honestly, I could see this team doing anything. I could see them firing him. Yeah. I could see them retaining him. I, I don't know, but I, I certainly could see a, a scenario where Saturday's uh, result matters. Um, okay. It would be, I think, an embarrassment to this organization if if Sky Blue's only win of the year came against the Pride. Well, that's I, I, a good point. So we'll see what happens. We'll be back to talk about it next week, of course. And, uh, you know, maybe at that point we'll have a little more clarity on what, uh, what we'll uh, talk about going into the offseason and what the big storylines are. Certainly um, who stays and who goes, uh, both from the coaching perspective and from the, uh, the players' perspective, will be uh, a food food for many conversations between now and next March. Dave, Orlando City at Sporting Kansas City. Um, this is Dom's return. This is Yuri Rossell's return uh, to the Blue Hell. And uh, I need to get your key matchup and your scoreline prediction. Okay. Um, key matchup is going to be... Uh, it's so hard because... Like we said earlier, who knows who's even going to be on the field? Um, okay, uh, key matchup is going to be whether they can get some service into Dom to let him get some goals. Um, if you know, if we don't have Yoshi and we've got to rely on somebody else to get the ball in uh, for Dom to score, um, if that can't happen, if that doesn't happen, then it's a long night for Orlando City. Um, if it does, if Dom's able to, to get some, some quality, uh, shots, I think maybe, uh, things go better. Um, ultimately though, on the road, um, I, you know, we talked about it before. haven't won in really, really, really long time. So I'm going to have to go, I'm going to stick with my prediction from last week Two one Dom does get a goal, but it's unfortunately the only one. And, uh, the the road woes continue. I am going to say the key matchup for me, Dave, is going to be Sasha Kleshton against the defensive midfield and uh, and defenders stepping up 
for Kansas City. I think that Sasha has to be a pivotal cog in the Orlando City attack for the Lions to have any chance in this game with Yoshi gone. Uh, we need the good Sasha. We need the Sasha that we've, we've seen a few times this year. Uh, we haven't seen him quite as much as we thought we would, but we definitely need that guy pulling the strings, uh, slipping in uh, excellent passes for Dom Dwyer to run on t- onto and whoever else is in the attack. Certainly it'll be more defensive midfielders because there's not enough wing players on this team. <laughs> uh, I think that Sasha Kleshin will will be a key for Orlando City to have any kind of a chance in this game. Um, as for my score prediction, as you mentioned, it's on the road. As you mentioned, it is... Uh, um, you know, a team that's won one time in 17 games. I'm saying 3-1 Kansas City, and the returning man who scores the goal is not Dom Dwyer, but Uri Rosell. Oh, twist. How's that Look. for a bold prediction? That is def- That is spicy and bold, sir. Yes. Very well done. Do not do not fret the uh, the bold flavors. Do not duck the bold flavors from the uh, Mainland podcast. Uh, you, you know, it, it, we are as spicy as they get. <laughs> well, we've we've we may have just ensured that uh, Orlando City uh, either draws or maybe even wins with uh, taking two out of three of the the ways that they could really truly probably lose out of the out of the equation with our predictions. Perhaps, but do not underestimate my one game correct picking streak. That's right. You are on a one game streak. I had forgotten about that. That's right. <laughs> mess with my street tape he's turned the corner that's right you know you the best thing about winning getting one in a row is the chance to get two in a row that's That's true uh all right so that'll do it for episode 141 of the mainland podcast we will be back next week to talk about orlando city at sporting kc the pride at sky blue we'll have uh, u.s men's national team friendlies to talk about the you know we'll recap the final U.S. Women's National Team uh, friendly with Chile heading into the of course uh, Concacaf Championship as the uh, the draw was uh, announced today uh, the U.S. is drawn with Mexico Trinidad and Tobago and Panama so it should be a group that uh, the U.S. should win uh, mm-hmm. they're going to start that uh, they're going to start that run against uh, Mexico so that should be speaking of spicy that should be a spicy uh, opener for the uh, the U.S. women. Oh, looking forward. Indeed. Yeah, looking forward to that. All right, so we'll uh, we'll do it again next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to those who submitted questions. And, of course, thank you to Thad Bell of the Blue Testament for stopping by and uh, giving us the 411 on Sporting KC. We'll see what happens against the Sporks on Saturday night. Uh, of course, you can uh, read our stuff at themainland.com and uh, check us out on Twitter, at The Mainland. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to this here podcast on iTunes and, of course, write us a nice five-star review and we'll read it on the air. Yes, we will. That will do it. 141 is in the books. On behalf of David Rowe, I'm Michael Citro, founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com, signing off the way I always do by saying, Go City and Go Pride.